Hello and welcome to Bright Blue Dot. My name is Thomas Jelly, and I'm delighted to be here with Tony Cook today. Tony has over 25 years executive and non-executive board experience across a variety of sectors, including education, the environment, government and business. He is passionate about driving change and delivering transformation by fostering an entrepreneurial culture and creating shared value through multi-stakeholder partnerships in pursuit of business sustainability. Tony, welcome and thank you for joining me. Well, thank you very much, Thomas. Good to be with you. I'd like to start off exploring your first exposure to sustainability in a project. I was really incredibly lucky to start my career in sustainability in a really practical yet informal way, which in a way was a prequel to how I landed my first formal sustainability role. After a short and pretty unhappy attempt at a career in the city, I returned home to take over my family's farm. My father was unwell at the time, so I was handed a considerable amount of responsibility really fast at the age of about 24, 25. I'd studied land and resource management at university, so I was already familiar with the concept of sustainable development. And I'd become passionate about the idea of transforming the farm into an exemplar of sustainable agriculture. It was the early 90s, so I was still out on a limb, thinking that that would be a good idea. But I did it nonetheless, setting about restoring landscapes, improving biodiversity, adopting more sustainable crop production techniques, and so on. And results came first, and, and with them, interest. Once neighbouring farmers saw that it was possible to make more money by being more sustainable, they quickly became interested in what I was doing. The interest grew and spread beyond our locality. I started writing, well, looking back on it, more like preaching in the farming press and hosting farm tours from interested parties, including taking the South African agriculture minister around the farm. We won awards for our work. We became a national demonstration farm. I started getting invitations to deliver keynotes at farming conferences. And I'd have been happy with that. But then in 2002, foot and mouth disease hit the UK, absolutely crippling agriculture, the rural economy and tourism. And it was a watershed moment. And out of nowhere, I got a call to this angry young man that I was in the industry from the very top, literally from government, to join their leadership team for their strategy for sustainable farming and food as its regional chair. And that was my first formal role in sustainability. Tony, thank you. That's, uh, that's the genesis of, of quite a journey. You referred to 1990. Now, that was, that was quite a long time ago now. What do you know now that you really wish you had known when you were starting out 30-odd years ago? I think the, the first thing is to have the courage of my convictions more often. My advice to my younger self would be to go for it rather than doubt and don't let your inner voice take over too much and, and talk yourself out of things. My convictions have rarely been wrong, but sometimes it's really hard to connect the dots with foresight. You know, the analogy I would use is sort of looking for stepping stones across a river. Sometimes you have stones that are very, very close together. Sometimes it's a big leap, a bit of a leap of faith you're taking, but based on gut instinct. And it doesn't always make sense looking forward. But looking back with hindsight, it all makes complete sense. And you can see that everything I've done has served a purpose to pave the way for the next thing I've done over time. What's been the 
the most useful sort of work that you have done to keep on developing the agenda around sustainability as you've seen it? On the stakeholder engagement side, if we go back to the example I gave you just a little earlier about trying to embed sustainability into our family farm and then the interest that started to generate, it it was a, a really important piece of motivation for me very early on to want to advocate and spread the word and show other farmers that it was possible in a very practical set of ways. And it was a no-brainer and there was a business case for it. So that was a really important aspect of the work. It was important to be able to demonstrate, but it, it wouldn't have been enough for me to just do that. I also had this need to, to advocate and spread the word and, and try and drive wider change beyond the farm gate of our own business. Fast forward a few years, that became more and more important to me in my work, my personal contribution, in that I I got more and more interested in, not at the organisational scale, but at more of the system scale. And my first real taste of that in, in a meaningful way was this role as regional chair for the government's sustainable food and farming strategy. I was thrown in at the deep end in terms of a very, very wide landscape of stakeholders from the farming interests through to landowning interests, through to biodiversity and environmental NGOs, animal welfare stakeholders, all of whom had an interest in farming becoming more sustainable and the food chain becoming more sustainable. The job really was about navigating all of that and finding consensus and practical solutions. So it really was a baptism of fire, learning how to do that. And that's really where my first taste of the value of mentoring came in. I was incredibly fortunate to have a chap called Sir Don Curry, he's now Lord Curry, as my line manager. He was the chair of the, the government's policy commission, and he took me under his wing. And, and I shadowed him. I attended all sorts of very high-level stakeholder roundtables with him and learned from the master of how to do this. You know, so much of the negotiating was done outside of the room through bilateral conversations. Everyone felt he had their back, understood their perspective, understood their position. And he very skillfully navigated his way to find uh, win-win solutions. There was a little bit of compromise from everybody, but everyone was happy with where we ended up. And he was so generous in terms of passing on what he knew that it, it instilled in me a very, very powerful need to do the same. It's about how can I be of service to a generation of potential aspiring change agents who are also wanting to have an impact on sustainability. And, and that's really fed into the, the later work that I've been doing around change hackers and running a podcast and uh, developing a diagnostic tool for understanding where organisations are getting in terms of advancing sustainability and entrepreneurial culture that is the underpinnings of the driving transformation more broadly as an organisation or or within a system. Tony, thank you. What do you find yourself still grappling with? It's a really good question, and the answer might be surprising. (laughs) I refer to the the Change Hackers podcast that I, I dabbled with it was a project really and and i'd love to pick it back up and do more of them because i learned so much from my interviewees that all got such diversity of perspective on things and, and, and different expertise 
there's one particular chap called Graham Boyd, who is a, is a physicist and, and now focuses on organisational theory, which was a something of a journey in his own career path, how he got there. But he sort of he links quantum physics and mechanics to organisational and human behaviour, uh, and and draws all these parallels. And he really planted the seed in me that really got me thinking about how we organise to get things done. And to come to your question, really, I think the thing that really keeps me awake at night, that that I worry about and, and that I think about constantly, that when I look at, at a very meta level, how humanity, how civilization functions, is how we as, as a human race organise to get things done. You know, it, our current wiring it is so grossly inefficient. It's so wasteful. It's so built on competition rather than collaboration. It's so alien to how nature functions. And so much of it is baked into our form of so-called civilization and, and capitalist system. You know, everything from competition and IP law to the legal forms we, we use for organizations in order to attract capital and employ people and get things done. You know, we are... I believe, wired for failure and will continue to struggle to accomplish all that much until we fundamentally rethink the way we organise our resources to achieve the outcomes we desire as humans for ourselves and for the planet. So if you like, I think we need a new theory of change for the human race, you know, in terms of the activities, the resources and how all of that combines and translates into the outcomes and the impact that we want. You've been listening to Tony Cook, friend of Bright Blue Dot. Tony, thank you very much for joining me today. It's a pleasure, Thomas. <laughs>